All-American Gunslingers presents Ubaldi Reports. Hey, this is John at Ubaldi Reports, the one website and um, podcast that provides fact, not fiction, on everything going on in America, whether domestically or internationally. With me, as always, is my two co-hosts, Joe Bitts, former combat Marine who was wounded in Iraq, and retired Marine Ray Krause. So how's it going, Joe and Ray? It's going well. How are you doing? Well, good. Not Great, John. Going good. Have a good day at work. What about you guys? Uh, you know. Had an off day. So, yeah. what, you know, let's kind of just like dive right into it about um, Ohio. I think that's something we should be bringing up, especially on the forefront. Yeah. Especially is. since Monday, our president decided to go to Ukraine, Ukraine versus going to. Yeah, and that Ohio. was a big thing because, okay, I got going to Ukraine, but the incident in. Um, Ohio happened more than three, almost three weeks ago. Yeah. So none of his, him, um, himself. Are they just worried about him not going there because of the contamination, maybe? No. I, and this is only speculation on my part. I just think it's the demographics didn't suit his needs. And what I mean by that, it was just a white working class neighborhood. And this is basically Trump country. Yeah, I bet, that's so, what I was I mean, going to say. I can't spec that's just mere speculation on my hand but think about this what happened if that was in a minority community area mm -hmm. would the president not have gone or what if it was in a more liberal part of the country would he have not have gone yeah but looking at the demographic right, and the area you can guarantee that almost everybody had a trump bumper sticker so but i mean it, but see remember joe biden was elected to be the unifier in chief he has done everything but being unified Mm -hmm. So this is mere speculation on my part. But again, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, hadn't gone one time. And they're starting to blame Trump. And I'm like, okay, but you've been running the government, both in the House, the Senate, and the presidency for two years. So if you have problems with regulations, where are you at? Well, there's also a big problem because Ohio is not the only center where the train derailment happened, and and that and you it said a name so, that yeah, I East that Palestine, just, yeah, that just kind of sparked me up, and I was like, well, Pete Buttigieg has a job to do. You, this, you know, you have Ohio, yes, but you also have what we're up to four other locations where you've had some sort of train derailment or an accident with uh, toxic chemicals. So, okay, can we get an answer? What's going on? And that's the, the question we don't have. Now, the one thing I would like to know is who made the decision? All I heard is the authorities made the decision. Well, what authority? Was it the train company? Was it the, the government, the EPA, state, federal? Who made the decision to burn the chemicals in place? Well, I mean, I'd like to interject here for a second is that, uh, you know, not to play. Okay, I will play devil's advocate. Maybe it's not Pete Buttigieg's responsibility. He is the transportation, transportation sec secretary. Yeah. So at what point does the train derailment have anything to do with transportation? Now, if it was a passenger train no. and this happened to, but this is, I mean, I would think that the EPA would be more on the forefront of this. Um, why is everybody kind of shifting over to Pete Buttigieg? Is, is it more of an infrastructure situation that he has to handle or like why transportation whether it's rail highways anything like that and this in this case transportation is the um it's in his it's his purview that's his job to control to run and to organize and to administer and to regulate the transportation industry that's his job now now that the accidents happened his still job is to make sure the rail systems are safe 
and there's not going to be these problems in the future. Now, with the, the accident itself, that's where the EPA comes in. But the EPA came on the scene fairly late. Yeah. And when they, the mayor of, Like three weeks late. Yeah, and when the mayor of, the, of East Palestine requested FEMA support, they, um, they turned him down and said, that's not in FEMA's um, purview. But it's kind of ironic, and I think you mentioned this some one of the conversations we had a little ago, why was FEMA being used to to house and take care of illegal migrants mm-hmm. coming in in New York and other places? Well, I mean, I think you said it a little bit earlier. These people aren't minority enough. Yeah, and that's and speculation on our part. But you got to think: Why did the president wait? There's been no good answer. Well, the president still probably still hasn't even acknowledged the fact. Yeah, and it's of where just, they are. I mean, since somebody somebody should go up there to kind of or where's Vice President Kamala Harris. Yeah, that's what, that would be worse. But I mean, but I, I got <laughs> it's not it. But I any mean, better. <laughs> if the president can't go, then you send someone in his proxy. So that would be Pete Buttigieg. Now the the EPA minister did go, I think, a couple days ago. But that was like two weeks after the fact. You had a major chemical spill, but nobody's there. All right. So D one two three four said, "Did you forget?" To mention that the governor denied help. Okay, so did you forget to mention that the governor denied help when asked? No, that's another question I would like to know. That is a very good question. Governor, I think it's DeWine, was a Republican governor of Ohio. Mm-hmm. What role did he play into this? Did he get involved? Did he? I mean, what what role and what did he do or did not do? And we're still not getting a lot of answers. All we get is this: the news has been kind of pushing back and forth. So that is a good question to ask. What role did he play? He said he's been in contact with the EPA and the Biden administration, and I believe he asked for FEMA support and didn't get it. So I'd like to know is what role did he have in this in this um, evolution? So I'd like to add a little add-on because I think you're a plethora of knowledge when it comes to this. Is Because everybody seems to be blaming Trump. Is it his fault or were there any things that he put in place to kind of – Indicate that this could have been prevented. And that's the thing we need to look at is before we play the partisan Paul blaming each other is what transpired and what didn't transpire. Did he uh, um, cut some regulations so we can cut uh, railroad staff? We know during the pandemic they put a lot of restrictions on who can come back, who can work, when they can work. You have to be vaccinated. That affected the airline industry. There's a lot of other issues, but that affected pilot shortages. You have to get all your va- your vaccines and your extra booster shots. There's certain restrictions, so that played a factor before this um, accident happened. But we need to have, I don't know if the NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board, takes fall. I believe they have a role into this as well. What caused it and what recommendations do they recommend to fix it so this doesn't happen again? So, I mean, there's, a, there, it's interesting, but this ducktails in probably to the next story is the president's going to Ukraine. Now, we discussed this, I think, a couple podcasts ago. And like I've said, I do support arming the Ukrainians. Mm-hmm. The reason I support that is because if you don't and you allow Russia to get away with, just like they did in Crimea in the eastern Donbass region of Ukraine, they're going to go into Ukraine, take that over. And what's the same? They can't go into the Baltic states, which are in NATO countries. 
But what about the fact that if we had a president with a backbone, this might not even have been a, a situation? Now, that's a good point because there's an old Chinese um, general named Sun Tzu, and he said how to fight without actually fighting. And what, he, what I mean by what I would say to that is when President Biden first took over, what did he do? He canceled the Keystone XL pipeline. He made us less energy independent. When Trump put sanctions on Nord Stream 2, this is natural gas pipeline going from Russia to um, Western Europe. He put sanctions on that. Uh, Biden lifted it. He lifted taking, um, I mean, this is missile defense. This was under the Obama administration. And hopefully that was hoping Russia would change, and they didn't. He Russia was cheating at all its nuclear agreements, which they just recently pulled out of. Um, he saw the great debacle in um, Afghanistan. And remember, prior to the lead-up for the invasion, Biden was, was reluctant to send any arms to the Ukrainians if not to inflame Vladimir Putin. And then once he goes in, he, he's armed the Ukrainians, but he's just given them enough. Like, remember he said, we're not going to send tanks to Ukraine. Now we're sending them. Mm -hmm. We're not going to send this. Now we're sending them. Now he's in Ukraine, went to Ukraine in Kiev, which I thought was a good move. And he's speaking to our, um, the, uh, the allies, especially those countries that border the Ukraine, um, Ukraine. But my question is, what about our NATO allies? We've given about $114 billion of various aid to the Ukrainians. The next number two country is England. They gave $4 billion. Where's France and Germany? Germany was going to uh, refuse to give tanks to uh, to Ukraine until we did. Why isn't Germany stepping up? Germany, remember, remember, Trump said that Germany, you and your Western Europe, you're selling your soul to the Russians to get that energy, mm -hmm. and you chastised the Europeans for not spending more on defense, and everybody jumped all over him. Last point before we get to that question. Robert Gates said that in 2011. He was um, President Bush's and President Obama's Secretary of Defense, and he said to the Europeans when he left, I'll paraphrase, he goes, someday a future Congress and a future president is going to look to Europe and said, what are we gaining out of this if they're refusing to do their fair share? And we're seeing that right now. So has the president made the Europeans either openly or behind the scenes to do more? If not, why not? Ray, you got you had a question? So D1234 came back and said, did you forget Trump wanted to blackmail the Ukraine and stop congressional approved funds? I would have to look more into that. I remember Biden doing that. Biden did <laughs> Biden's that. Biden's been heavily involved. Now, I would have to go <laughs> to D1. I would have to go back and look and just to do a little more research on that before I can comment on that. I remember Biden like uh, yeah. admitting that uh, doing yeah. that. <laughs> yes, there was a lot more Biden in that impeachment yeah, than there was but Trump. <laughs> but if you see how this goes, when you and George Washington said this before a joint session of Congress once, he goes, "If you want to preserve peace, you need to prepare for war." I'm not saying we go on a total war footing, but countries don't go to war with you when they perceive you as strong. Now this set the tone. This sets the tone for China. Remember during the campaign, President Biden was always saying, especially during the coronavirus, we're going to send a team into Wuhan to find out what happened. And he never did, mm -hmm. and he never mentioned to President Xi. This is a d replication of President Clinton chastising George H.W. Bush 
for the handling of the Tiananmen Square massacre. And he said, I'm going to be tough on China. And when he didn't and did the exact same thing George H.W. Bush, he lost face to the Chinese. And then in March of 2021, the Chinese national security team, our national security team, went to Anchorage, Alaska. And the Chinese spent team spent an hour berating the United States of how bad America is and all the evils of the United States. And Anthony Blinken, who's the Secretary of State, just sat there. So as much as people bemoan Donald Trump, the Russians and the Chinese didn't, and the Iranians didn't move because he was unpredictable. But when he did act, he acted decisively, like the one time when he used cruise missiles to take out um, Baghdadi. And he mentioned it to President Xi at a state dinner, I think, at Mar-a-Lago. Well, and he basically move. just told him over. <laughs> this was unheard of. He just leaned over. Hey, President Xi, I just want to let you know, we're launching cruise missiles as we speak to kill Baghdadi. <laughs> and that sent the tone. So you need to do – You need. there's a lot of things we need to do to prevent the, – the key is to prevent war. Nobody wants to go to war. Where I know Joe and myself have seen war. Nobody wants that, but we're at the precipice of maybe going to war with Russia and maybe going to war with China over Taiwan. Is NATO, including the United States, really ready for that? No. Britain, as a prime example, has usually been our staunchest ally for de- for years. Britain is a basically a, a, two, a second-tiered military power. They're, they can't field enough. Like During the Gulf War, they sent a full division down there, even in the war in Iraq. They wouldn't be hard-pressed to do that today. Germany is not combat-ready. If they had to make a deployment, so they're not ready to send a combat-ready battalion, at least. They're not ready. So it's even Finland said, you guys are strong because of the United States. So they all want the cake, but they don't want to help make that cake. I still think people get a little worried when when Germany starts forming an army of some sort. I got <laughs> I got I, it. I mean, but it's see, I got, I understand that. Yeah. But that was one of the reasons we stood up the German um, Republic after World War II. About 1955, Germany was allowed to join NATO, and they started a to build up their military to at least to be somewhat uh, capable of defending themselves. And even though Trump was berating the Allies for not doing their fair share, it's interesting. There was a f- former president. In 1963, uh, excuse me, in six, December 62 and January 62, and that was President Kennedy, he told the Europeans, you need to do your fair share. You can't just rely on the United States. So if the icon of the Democratic Party, President Kennedy, said that, why is it bad when Donald Trump mentioned it? And what are they doing now? Because we're going to need our allies if there's any kind of conflict with China. Now, what's your view on Nord Stream? Uh, They said that the Biden administration, or Biden, not directly, would be is responsible for the. It was pretty much going to be up and running, but or did we have anything to do with it for it to be put down? Because there, there, there's a lot of implications saying that it was us that kind of shut down the Nord Stream pipeline because we kind refu- of refused to give the funding for it and the equipment and the technology to get that thing going. Now, I believe they did shut it down because the new German government doesn't want anything from um, from fossil fuel. Mm-hmm. 
So it's just so it's not going back up. But I mean, it's the case in point is Germany and Western Europe was so tied into this green technology. And right now, Germany's going back to f coal fire plants, wood burning plants, because they they got to heat their homes for the winter. Yeah, you cannot do it by wind and solar alone. I don't care what anybody says. I know that little turd, Greta uh, Sun Tusburn, whatever. Thunberg. Thunberg. But I mean, she's she wrote a big long op-ed in the L.A. Times, which I read. I think it was last week. And I'm like, but she said nothing of where the lithium, the cobalt, and the zinc, and all the rare earth minerals come from. So they come from the Congo. So you got children as young as six years old. To your daughter, no, a friend of mine's daughter turned six. How old is your daughter? Yeah, six. Okay, six. She would be in the mines in the Congo beating out the cobalt to use it for electric vehicles so everybody can feel good about themselves. That scares the crap out but, of me. That should but, scare the bejeebas out of anybody. But we made sure that we could put her on a plane and fly her everywhere around the earth to let us know that what we're doing is bad. Well, look at the um, the, the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. All these, and that includes John Kerry. They all flew on their private jets. There was one who flew 13 miles in a jet they wasted more energy than most people put out in years, and they're lecturing us. And that's the that's the strange part. They're lecturing us, and they're yeah. killing. The, they're they're making it worse. And China is given a pass every single time. And a lot of these rare earths are also mined in China by slave labor, and we say nothing about it. That's because it's not here. So, but getting back to the Ukrainian support is. Like I said, I support the arming of the Ukrainians because if we don't do it there, we're going to pay a price somewhere else. And that could be if China goes into Taiwan or if Russia moves somewhere else. Where I fault the president, this should have been done months before I, uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. And maybe if, uh, if um, Biden would have told Putin right away, listen, we're going to arm the Ukrainians. You want to go into Ukraine? Go. But we're going to kill as many Ukrainians as possible. But at what point are we like at what point are we just giving our stuff to somebody else to defeat us with a couple of years down the line? Well, but see, here's the point. When Joe Biden spoke at the this early this month when he gave his State of the Union address, that was an ample opportunity to state why we're doing this. Mm -hmm. What are the stakes and what is the end goal? Now, Joe Biden consistently talks about how the war in Ukraine has raised in gas prices was the cause for inflation. Okay, we all know the reason. Okay, but that's what he said. If that's the reason, what are you doing to end the conflict? Not just say we ended to say we ended for end, for for ending sake. What are you doing to try to end it? And he's never articulated that. That's the problem. A leader has to move people along. Like you, know, I know you've been Joe. I mean, not Joe. Ray, you've been skeptical. He needs to move you along to see why we're there, and he hasn't done that. He hasn't leveled with the American people. And what he's done, he's like you sent me a, a document that came from the uh, the Center for Strategic International Studies that talked about he's taking down our munition stock to a low level. So if we had to get into a conflict, let's say with China or somebody else, we're not going to have the munitions we need to sustain that. So what is he doing to 
to resurrect that? What is he doing to move our supply chains back to America? What is, a leader leads. Like you go back to Ronald Reagan, President Eisenhower, others led. Even John Kennedy, he, he moved people. He led people. He gave the why we're doing this. Yep. Joe Biden gets up there. He doesn't take questions. He doesn't get go to reporters. He goes to sympathetic reporters, and they ask him very um, easy questions. So I would ask him, Mr. President, if you say the war in Ukraine is the cause of inflation and gas prices, what is your policy and what is your strategy to end it? Why are you only giving a little bit to the Ukrainians and not everything they wanted? You flip-flopped on not giving tanks. Now you're giving tanks. Why didn't you give them fighter jets, not just F-16s? We can give the F-16s to Poland, transfer their MiG-29s to the Ukrainians. They're just as capable of what they have with Russia has. Why? So these are questions that nobody's answering, nobody's asking. Only a few maybe are asking this. And this is kind of, this is why American support for the war in Ukraine has dropped Considerable. It's not as positive as it once was. So when it comes to like our national security, John, what do you kind of think our biggest threat's going to be? Our debt. It's not China and Russia. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that, back in 2011, Admiral Mike Mullen, who was chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, was relinquishing that position. And that's what he said. He goes, our greatest threat is our national debt. That's when it was about... 12 to 13 trillion dollars and what he means by that if we're in debt that means we can't spend to reshape our military to modernize our military so right now we're at 31 trillion and even the congressional budget office last wednesday came out with the if if nothing changes in the next 10 years that includes all the spending by president biden he will add another 19 trillion dollars to the federal debt but so when he that, gets out of office? Yep, because if nothing changes. Oh okay, so now <laughs> the debt's going up. He's going to be the most egregious person when it comes to the national debt. Okay, so now with interest rates going up, we used to pay about $300 billion to service the debt. Now it's $400 billion because every time interest rates go up, interest on the debt goes up. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing is what we talked about last Thursday. I mean, excuse me, last Monday, uh, Wednesday is our failing public schools. I mentioned Baltimore at the time, where 23 um, high schools, middle schools, and elementary schools, not one kid could read to grade level. That includes 70, 75% of the city of Baltimore's children mm-hmm. are minorities, black and Hispanic children. So they're pretty much illiterate because they can't read to grade level. Now I found out over the weekend the Illinois Department of Education reported there were 53 I think high schools around the city throughout Illinois but around the city of Chicago not one kid could read math or or math or read to grade level uh-huh. so i talked to my younger brother who's a superintendent for a construction company he does a lot of public and other commercial um, construction projects i go what math do you need well you need um, basic math but you need algebra you need geometry and some other things around that and when pete Buttigieg said we need more minorities into these construction jobs well you have to go through an apprentice program if you can't pass and do math to get it to be an apprentice you're not going to get those good quality jobs Uh but he never factored in 
school. All they want to do across the country is meritocracy is racist. They're California's dropping the standards. They're taking away the SATs, the AP courses. Culver City Unified School District removed. How can you take away SATs if it's... They just say it's it's racist. We're not going to use SATs. But you SAT. need the SAT score in order to get to into a college. In California, they pulled it out. Okay, maybe for a California school, but if I'm in California, I want to go somewhere in Florida, they're like, what's your then SAT you're score? You're going to need you're SATs. Gonna, you're going to be like, I'm, I'm not going to give you my SAT this, score. That's if racist. The re- <laughs> if the reason you're moving the SATs because a lot of blacks and Hispanics aren't doing well, the next question is should be why you go to Oregon. They removed a testing requirement that you needed to pass basic reading, English, and math scores to graduate. Mm-hmm. They removed all those testing. So what they're doing is they're dumbing down or dropping the standards all in the name of equity, and actually they're doing more harm um, than good. So those are my those are the, the big threats, and then, then we got to get our fiscal house in order. We have to educate our population, and we got to get people back to work. Can you can Ray ask uh, what's her name, Sister Mary Francis? <laughs> That's a question. I want to answer it for her. Who in the right mind living in California would want to go to Florida? Californians, okay? There are droves of Californians moving their happy butt over to Florida. What was the question? It was who in the right mind living in California would want to go to Florida? Um, A lot of people. uh, Unfortunately, a lot of people are coming. Okay, here's the the question, and I do follow California politics because my brothers, brothers live there. My brother lives there. And I live born and raised there. Okay, let's use that. Why would people from California want to move to Florida? Okay, Florida has no state income tax. California has the highest income tax. California has a housing shortage. Florida is the number two state building housing. California has spends over $10 billion on the homeless. There's more homeless in California. 30% of all homelessness in America, is in California. You look at the educational results, California is ranked at the bottom, almost at the bottom. Florida is ranked number 12, and that's from the National Educational Assessment that came out in October. California shut their schools down. Oh, by the way, the governor got to send his kids to a private school, in-person learning, where my nieces and nephew, and one of them is is dyslexic, needed in-person learn wasn't getting it so that's and then if you look at poverty 30 percent of all welfare recipients reside in california if you're a black and hispanic you do far worse in california than in any other state so if you want to live in california they have a water shortage they have a fiscal problem which is about 27 billion dollars in debt and going higher so if you want to live in california go where we have a $30 billion surplus, you have a $30 billion deficit. And that's from Cal Matters, mm-hmm. a nonprofit um, news organization out in California. So uh, I was to say, <clears throat> yeah, Florida's a lot better than California. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and get, and, it's, and it's, getting, it's getting worse. That's why more people, and for the first time in its history since 1849, California lost a congressional seat. Well, by the way, Florida gained too. Actually, the the bad thing I think maybe a bad thing about living in Florida is that if my house was in California, 
it would probably be worth close to about 1.5, maybe even 1.6 million dollars. Yeah, and then think about the middle class. Think about the poor there. And we don't have the drug epidemic. We don't have the crime problem like you got. So if you don't like California, if you don't if you don't like Florida, fine, stay out of Florida. So. What was is there any follow up to those? No, no, no. One of the was I saying that Elon Musk is moving Tesla back to California, but yeah, I mean, but also multi billionaire. Someone's saying how California is the sixth largest GDP in in the world. That's true. Okay, that's true. They are the fifth or sixth largest GDP in the in the world. But that's if you fact if you factor Silicon Valley. Take (laughs) Silicon Valley out of California. They produce far less. You, they, people make more. Le- excuse me. People make less in California than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And if if California is so great, why are people leaving? Look at their budget deficit. They I mean, forty to five percent of the taxes are paid by the top one percent. Yeah. And it's getting worse. And it's just, I mean, this isn't me saying this. This is all coming from Cal Matters and other, even the. Uh, Los Angeles Times, hardly a conservative news outlet, so it isn't like I'm making this stuff up. Mm-hmm. All right, John, so if anybody has questions for you, how can they go ahead and get a hold of you? You can follow us at UbaldiReports at gmail.com or try uh, looking up Ubaldi Reports on all the streaming sites like our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, um, YouTube, um, or just chime in every time we do this uh, podcast, which we do every Wednesday evening at 7:30 Eastern Standard Time. That's 7:30 a. Excuse me, 7:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Wednesday, and we'll keep doing this. Now, Joe and Ray also have a podcast they do, which is American Gunfighters. Gunsling, <laughs> gunslingers. I'm sorry. You can catch Ray and I on All American Gunslingers. All American Gunslingers. I'm sorry. Where we talk about booze, we talk about guns, and they get a lot more edgier than we do here. Yeah, we talk about stuff. Oh yeah, they stuff <laughs> just the stuff. But Ray, yeah. but just <laughs> it's the stuff you have to worry about. We're talking about. But Ray is also more than just a Second Amendment advocate. He really knows not just weapons, but the biggest thing he knows gun laws and what are the latest gun laws coming down. What hasn't? What has passed? He can explain some of these things, the gun laws. And if you have any information or knowledge, or you want any questions about different firearms. Or most importantly, he you can he can ask, or he can explain, if you want to get a firearm and you go to a gun store, or a firearm store, what to look for. What's the red flag of not to go there? I talked to a friend today. Some they uh, there was this in Sacramento. I'm not going to give the name. Person went to the gun store and they bought a, they sold a weapon that they couldn't find a holster for, and they were sick. So they just wasted money. Yep. So. The store I work at won't do that, but Ray can help you get what you're looking for so you can be better protected. And uh, along with some of the bills that and some of the hearings that we heard, um, I know that I haven't reported anything lately, but we are watching uh, a judge recently, uh, I think like two weeks ago now, uh, he ruled it unconstitutional. Um, so uh, the matter was having a medicinal marijuana card and owning a firearm at the same time. Um, He ruled that you should be able to have a medical marijuana card and a firearm and a concealed carry. So we're going to watch that go through, and hopefully that will get reversed. So anybody who has a medicinal marijuana card 
can get their concealed carry and they will be able to buy a firearm. So we know that that will ultimately change our background check 4473 form. Correct. Because, um, you know, that that's going to have to change with one of the questions. Um, and then I just read today that uh, a Republican senator from Kansas entered the short act, and that is to remove um, all class three, uh, not all class three items, but short barrel rifles, short barrel shotguns, and a- AOWs, any other weapon. Uh, off of the NFA list. Okay. So that was. So there's a lot to there's a lot to discuss. Well, also, um, where is Florida right now when it comes to the constitutional oh, carrier? Yes. Um, I also forgot to do that. Uh, two weeks ago, they uh, they entered leg- uh, legislation to uh, pass con- constitutional carry down here in Florida as well. Um, so I believe that's in the house right now no i think so too I don't so think it's I gotten think to it the hasn't center. it hasn't been even voted on yet yeah i don't think it's gone to the so. center so we'll have to see so we'll watch that but i do know all that right. DeSantis wanted that all right all right so till next time keep listening to ubaldi reports and remember every wednesday 7 30 in the evening eastern standard time keep listening to ubaldi reports and we'll get you let's at least inform you of what's going on in the country so keep listening to ubaldi reports